Welcome to Tinto Talks, the hub of all things perinatal. My name's Octavia and I will be talking about all things pregnancy related and beyond. We'll be covering specialist topics from experts in the field and collect a spectrum of real life stories from parents who've been there and done that. Our aim is to offer unbiased, evidence-based information, but also shed light on the joys and challenges of parenthood to support each unique journey. There really is something here for everyone. Finally, if there's a topic that you want us to cover, let us know. But in the meantime, sit back, relax, and prepare to feel supported, inspired, and informed. I hope you're all enjoying this birth series and learning that though things don't always go to plan, you can still have a positive birth experience. We will now meet the third mother in the series, Emma. Living in Amsterdam, she's gone a full circle with her decision from planning an elective C-section to wanting a water birth in hospital. However, after discovering that she had placenta privia that hadn't moved as the pregnancy progressed, this took away her choice, meaning that the doctors were now advising how best to deliver her baby, an elective C-section. It's interesting that the term doesn't change whether you choose to have a section or whether you are advised to, as they are very different situations. And as you will hear, it took some getting used to for Emma. Hi, Emma. Welcome. Thanks for joining me today on Tinto Talks to talk to us about your birth preparation. Hi, Oki. Thanks so much for having me. So um, can you just tell the listeners um, a little bit about yourself? How many weeks are you now? What sort of stage in your pregnancy are you? Yeah, so I am now 38 and a bit weeks, um, so right at the very end, um, getting some really big kicks from the baby, um, and I've been really lucky throughout. I've had quite a, an easy pregnancy. I didn't have a lot of morning sickness. I had a little bit of sort of um, leg cramps and some lower back pain, but nothing that wasn't manageable. Um, so um, yeah, it's been it's been great so far, and uh, I wouldn't say I've enjoyed pregnancy, but um, but I've I've sort of like I've, I haven't found it as as difficult as I know some others have. Amazing, amazing. And then today we're going to talk a bit about your your birth plans. Um, you've been quite an unusual journey. So tell me about your your original plans for birth when you first started looking into it. Sure. So my husband, Josh, and I actually live in the Netherlands and um, we moved here a couple of years ago. Um, And of course, all of my friends and and their experience has mostly been through the sort of UK system, either privately or with the NHS. Um, And so when we first um, found out we were pregnant, we were looking at our options and we've really been on quite a journey. Um, So the first question for us was whether to come back to the UK, where we're both from, to have the baby or whether to have the baby out here in the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. Um, And we decided on the latter because um, we just thought we wanted to be able to come home with the baby after the birth and just be at home rather than be somewhere else in an intermediate stage Mm. Um, and um, the other thing was you know having the baby in London really would have meant probably an elective c-section and I wasn't really keen on that idea when I read a lot about it I thought that's not for me if it's possible to do it another way I don't want to have to go through that recovery period so then we decided on the Netherlands Um, I spoke to a friend 
who'd had a baby out here last year and she recommended a doula um, and I'd never really thought about taking on a doula because I sort of thought well I've got the midwife you know what do I need a doula for but the more I talked to her about it the more I thought actually that that would be really great to have someone who could explain a bit about the Dutch system yeah. um, and also could help Josh and I to kind of navigate our way through and to get the type of birth that we wanted but also to help to discuss with us what type of birth we wanted so took on a fantastic doula called marcha and um, decided that we would like to have a water birth in the the birthing center that's attached to the hospital just outside of amsterdam um, and we're all set for that uh, i had the 20 week scan and was told that my placenta was in the wrong place um, and that not to worry about it too much and that it might move. And then at well, 32 at, weeks... At, sorry, yeah. at that scan, did they, was there anything else they said at that point? They were really, really sort of, um, you know, bright and breezy about it. And I think that is the right approach because they obviously don't want to worry lots of mums, particularly first-time mums like me, who don't need to worry. Um, but they just said, um, you know, your placenta is, isn't quite in the right place at the moment. Don't worry about it. In most instances, it will move as your baby's growing anyway. Uh, and they said, you know, there's some information you can, you can look up about it um, online. And they gave me a link to that information. And to be honest, I looked at it and it sort of scared me a bit. <laughs> I put it to the back of my head and thought, well, it will probably move. I mean, that, I, and that probably wasn't the right thing to do. I probably should have managed my own expectations a bit better. Um, just, just to come for the listeners, um, what, what we're talking about here is the placenta privia. Um, and basically what it means is the placenta can partially or totally cover the cervix, um, the cervix which basically is the outlet of the uterus, so where the baby comes out of, obviously. Um, and um, you can get either complete privia, partial or marginal. Um, and as you said, like most of them resolve basically. So about 90% of them actually resolve um, as the baby grows and um, the uterus, um, the placenta basically moves away from the cervix. And then um, what the doctors are normally looking for um, is that the placenta is more than 20 millimeters away from the entrance of the cervix because if it's any closer than that, basically what can happen is that you can get, um, you can hemorrhage whilst you're delivering the baby so it can be that's the risk basically isn't it yeah exactly so at the point of the 20 week scan they didn't say all of that to me they just said it's in the wrong place and it might move and they, let, they, they gave me a link so I could look up some more information if I wanted to and they told me that I was I was partial um but the thing is about it can be you know marginal partial or complete but the problem is like on, in all of those instances it doesn't actually matter how much it's covering yeah. the opening of the cervix if it's covering that it point, at all after the 32 week scan yeah. then you know you are you're in you're in a different territory so yeah. at the 32 week scan um the ultrasound assistant said it's still not looking good but um you you should go for a scan at the hospital with the gynecologist okay. and he will he or she will make the decision um and that was the point at which i actually really got to discuss all of you know the options and got a bit more of an understanding from a medical professional and um, scan, they do a transvaginal scan so rather than on the on the tummy they do they go internally and have a proper yes it's an internal um scan and when they said you just go for another scan at the at the hospital it didn't tell me that either and obviously it's just a bit of a different ball game you know walking in and, and having a 
um, a, a regular ultrasound versus an internal scan but um, that's no problem did all of that and um, and the the gynecologist was very cut and dry about it he you know he whipped off his latex gloves you know put his instruments down and said um, well the placenta is is covering the cervix so you'll have to have an, uh, a, a cesarean and I said oh well hang on well what are the what are the options he said well your options are to schedule one or to have an emergency cesarean when you go into labor and I don't advise the latter so at that point he explained to me you know what what would actually happen he said if you try to um, have a vaginal birth then as the cervix dilates he said you would get to about three centimeters or four centimeters and then you would have a hemorrhage and you know you would just bleed basically and 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 there's nothing that we'd be able to do other than an emergency cesarean um so there there really wasn't you know any other option on the table which i think was a bit just a bit of a shock to me but also it's, in a way it's nice that there's not another option because well, yeah. you know that's you don't have to make a choice yeah the choice is really but made for you also you did all of this without josh because obviously at the moment he can't come into your your your, your yeah so the the covid restrictions in amsterdam at the hospital meant that they just asked only the um only the mothers to come in for for scans and appointments um Not luckily on your own yeah so i was on my own but luckily i won't be on my own for the actual cesarean they will allow partners to be there for that and also to stay in hospital with me afterwards which is which is good um but it was it was a bit of a, a shock to find out on my own and um the the sort of you know the dutch style can be quite direct sometimes and quite to the point so there was no sugar coating um you know and um he just it was very matter of fact about it and uh, then I was sort of packed off for some some blood tests and, you know, making appointments to speak to the nurse and the anaesthetist. But it, it, it was all quite overwhelming. Moving very swiftly away from the kind of, you know, dreamy water birth that you and your doula yes. were planning. Yes. <laughs> Found a million miles away from that, really. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm someone who has never been under an anaesthetic um, never had surgery uh, and really s never spent any time in hospital. I've been lucky enough to be in good health for nearly all of my life. So it was quite a daunting prospect because, um, you know, everybody has described this to me as major surgery. Like, yes, it is a really routine operation, um, which is great. It's something that the people who perform these are doing dozens of them a week. Um, so in a sense, like you're, you're in the most competent hands possible. It's a very routine operation, but for someone like me, who's never really spent a lot of time in a very medical environment like that, or been through a big medical procedure, mm. I did find the thought of it quite overwhelming yeah. and daunting initially. Um, yeah. and, and actually, it, it yeah, quite an intimidating kind of environment to be in because having had a c-section myself i mean i'm a physio so i've worked in hospitals and been in loads of theaters before so for me i absolutely loved every second of it because i was like really interested in what was going on but you know you walk into a room and there's 15 people in there you know you've got the doctors the nurses the anesthetists like the midwives like everybody's there and you're you know in your gown about to be you know have an epidural or a spinal you know you just it's it's full on you know and i think yeah it's a lot to take in and it's especially for anybody who's not at all medical or you know was expecting or kind of aiming for something quite so natural it's a lot to take on board and to kind of wrap your head around 
I think that is what it was for me was just a really big change in direction and almost sort of like, you know, from something that we had actually considered right at the beginning and then rejected as a birthing option to have to to go back to that. Um, And it it all just happened, you know, so quickly. And suddenly you're talking about scheduling the the actual sort of date. Um, But you know, I think it is important to, and I talked to my doula after I found out and she said, look, you still have options here. You know, there isn't just one way of having a cesarean. She talked to me about, you know, um, what the options are and, 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 and any very small preferences that you can state. And, you know, even things like you said, you found having lots of people in the room was quite, quite overwhelming. The hospital where I'm having my C-section is actually a teaching hospital but you can specify um, and request that there are no students present when you have yeah. uh, the procedure if that's what yeah. you would prefer so I think it's really important to just find out information and you know that's one of the reasons I'm talking to you today is because the conversation that we had um, was really helpful for me to kind of get me more comfortable with yes. what was what was going to be my path forwards from that point and talking to you was was really helpful and so I hope that um, other women listening to this feel a bit more kind of comforted afterwards and 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 have a bit more information and have a bit more to to think about um, if they're going through that same kind of uh, decision. Because you called me up um, kind of saying that you'd obviously had this news and you were you you were having nightmares about it. Yeah, I did. I had a nightmare about surgery because it was just like the idea of being cut open. was just yeah. terrific to me. And, and we I mean, all I really did was just talk through both of my births with you, the natural birth and then also the section. And, and I did have a really positive elective section. You know, it was it was for me much better than my my first birth but you know also just kind of normalizing what was going on and and I I sent you some um kind of a a step-by-step description of exactly what happened um from you know just go packing my bags and leaving right the way through to kind of you know when I was able to walk again when the catheter came out when my how you know the pain kind of got better and better and you know it does take a long time to recover and it is very different to a natural birth but to be perfectly honest my natural birth also took a long time to recover from and you know they they're just very different and it's just having that understanding of what's going to happen to your body and like you said you know like you do have options, but it's just knowing what they are and they will be different depending on what's going to happen, you know, with, with, with how your, your labor turns out. And I think something as well, that's um, kind of quite interesting, like, you know, they, they use the term elective cesarean, but for you, elective kind of gives, it sounds like you've made a choice. And in a way that's- No, <laughs> I didn't get a choice, yeah. It's yeah. kind of been made for you, but the reason why is because it's planned basically, you know, but I think, you know, it's, it is still, you know quite a big kind of psychological thing for people I know a friend who's had three babies two of them were emergency c-sections and the third was a planned elective and she feels kind of robbed of that birthing experience and she found the term elective cesarean very frustrating because she was like I didn't I don't want a cesarean you know Mm. wanted to be able to, to give birth naturally but you know it just didn't work out for her but again going back to just the um something that I always kind of try and say to like you know mothers that I work with is that it's the most important thing is you know being aware of all the different kind of possibilities that can happen it's not just about you know what you'd like to happen but it's about being kind of aware that you know that 
even like you said you've made the decision not to have an elective cesarean but now you're kind of having one you know that I think it's just important that even if you decide on a water birth that might not necessarily be the way that things always pan out so just kind yeah of, of course you know and that, I think every you know everyone's recovery will be different afterwards but it's just good to hear about what other people's experiences have been um, and to be able to talk to other mothers and mums to be throughout my pregnancy has actually been the greatest source of you know for me uh, the greatest source of information and of course everyone has a different opinion but just get lots of different opinions and you'll know what's right for you and and you know with the cesarean actually um, you know having the, the the doula to advise me afterwards and having your stories and I've you know managed to speak to a couple of other people as well who've been through that yeah. um, has been really really helpful and you know I think the biggest thing is I like ask questions and and you know make sure that you might not get what you want birthing wise but make sure that like you know that your wishes are are known so we've we've still got a birthing plan even though we're having um a scheduled c-section and you know the birthing plan says things like please don't cut the umbilical cord immediately we'd like to you know leave the umbilical cord um attached because you know there's thinking that that's more beneficial for the baby if you can leave that attached for as long as possible um and before it's clamped and cut and also you know if i'm in the position for for it to happen for the baby to immediately be um placed on 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 skin to skin and and if not that josh should be there so that he can have that skin to skin contact instead so just making sure that they're re you're really explicit about yeah. those wishes i think is is yeah. really important don't assume it will happen 100 and i think people often forget about the men's skin to skin i remember phil stripping off at one point during <laughs> after I <laughs> i'm ready bring the baby over but yeah i think like and also like you said you know coming to terms with you know the changes that have happened it's kind of knowing that that this is the right decision for you and the safest way for you and your baby to to kind of move forward to having a baby you know like you if you at least you were aware of these possibilities or this situation I mean imagine if you didn't know and then you went into labor and then it was an emergency and you know like it, it will be much more could be much more traumatic so you also yours um just in terms of kind of coping with the information so basically you've got lots of information spoke to loads of people me and the doula and friends but then you've also did some meditation didn't you yes I started doing meditation which actually is something that I've long thought I probably should do but I've never really done it earnestly and routinely um, and for me it was kind of I'm on maternity leave I'm not got all these other things in my head clouding my head like work and and things like that I'm feeling like okay I have the date I know when she's going to be born I'm thinking about the build-up towards that and so it really just you know when you suggested it it made sense to me to, to do that so I've just been using an app to meditate um, and it's you know it's just a few minutes a day and it's just helping me to get in the right headspace and feel really positive and and calm about what's going to happen um, and I think that is one of for me one of the biggest positives about the scheduled cesarean is being able to to plan and organize a lot more than you can with um, a natural birth where you might be waiting for days or weeks to go into labor um, so so that is something that I've really taken on as a positive and, and used that to be able to to take up meditation and, and 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 do some of that ahead of the birth I probably won't have much time for it afterwards 
No, probably not. <laughs> a nice holistic <laughs> approach. This is what we like. Excellent. Okay, so is there um, anything that you've been told that you should be avoiding or that you should be doing to kind of optimise the situation of the placenta privia? Uh, oh gosh, I'm not sure if I should say this one, or not, but, but um, I've been told that we, sh we shouldn't be having any sex. No, because that could, because normally they say to you have lots of sex when you're due yeah. to give birth because it can it can help you to go into labour. But be because of the position of the placenta, that could unfortunately trigger a bleed for me. So the thing that they're very worried about um, is is any kind of bleeding, um, and they really do you know hammer that home. If you so much as see a spot of blood, get on the phone to the hospital immediately. Um, um, if you have placenta previa so um, I'm sort of on guard for that um, but other than that um, obviously you know take it easy as much as possible and, and use the, the time to rest and as much as you can and uh, and stocked my freezer with lots of lots of foods because I don't have time for cooking when the baby comes. Yeah because I from what I've read there's nothing to specifically say that you need to be on that's bed rest but they do say kind of certain engaging activities such as running squatting and jumping things like that anything that's going to be putting lots of kind of pressure down through yeah i haven't been doing any running for a long time mostly just because of the weight of the baby i did do a few squats the other day but um but you really i mean i've just found that my body just tells me what my lateral limit is and carrying all the extra weight of the baby on my stomach you know it's like doing a weighted squat so I'd normally do 20-25 weighted squats in a set but I do 10 squats without a weight at the moment and I'm absolutely exhausted so really I'm not doing uh, any kind of exercise now I've sort of went to the gym as a, as a token effort but I didn't really exert myself it was more just about staying mobile and doing some stretching. Good. And what about from a kind of anemic kind of iron point of view? Have they told you anything about supplements or kind of maintaining a healthy diet? Mm, well, the, unrelated to the placenta previa, I was told when I was about um, 20, 21 weeks, I was feeling really tired and they did a little finger prick test, blood test at the midwife um, when I had my scan. And they said, oh, you're iron deficient. And I was taking prenatal vitamins. So I just thought they had everything in them. Didn't yeah. think I needed to take anything else. Um, and I'd been feeling so tired that week. And I went straight from the appointment to the pharmacy and bought some iron tablets. And it was like night and day. I had so much more energy afterwards. I wish I'd been taking them sooner. Yeah. Um, and uh, so I've, I've continued to take those throughout the pregnancy. Um, which has been helpful but last couple of weeks have been really tiring regardless of the iron supplements it's exhausting and what about any kind of more increased monitoring are they keeping a closer eye on you or not are they just going to leave you to it not because i again the other thing they say is like not so many internal examinations but from a kind of fetal monitoring point of view are they just saying keep an eye out for the bleeding yeah they're just saying like you know you do, do what you should be doing anyway which is kick counts um this late in the pregnancy so make sure that the, there's fetal movement um every day throughout the day um i certainly don't need to consciously monitor for those i'm getting some really big kicks now um and um what happens in the dutch system is that if you have 
uh, a medical intervention um, or, or a medical problem like placenta previa, then immediately all of what would have been your midwife's appointments are then taken over by the gynaecologist. So I don't go to the midwife anymore. I go to see the gynaecologist in the hospital now instead, um, just for those routine appointments for a routine scan every 10 days, um, just an external scan and, um, and blood pressure checks. Lovely. Okay, good. And then what about, um, have they discussed the likelihood of going into early labour and what you do? Because it's yes. a slightly higher risk if you have placenta privia. Yeah, so they've given us about three or four different emergency phone numbers, which I've got stored in my phone and Josh has got stored in his phone in case anything happens. Um, obviously, if, if, if I do go into labour, then they will perform uh, an emergency C-section. Yeah. Um, uh, but it will be at the, that hospital. Um, ideally, if they can get that surgeon, it will be with her, but it will just be with whoever's on duty, if not. Um, but, you know, there's 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 hopefully that's not going to happen now we're close enough that i think we should make it yeah you've already reached 38 weeks which is great and i think um you know they um they say that you know you, you can be at risk of going into labor before 37 weeks and then if it's any time before then you could be given like a course of steroids basically but it sounds like you've, you've passed all of those milestones so that's great so then um obviously you've spoken to the anesthetist and the nurse and in terms of what other kind of preparation have you done for the c-section just apart from kind of like mentally getting yourself around the topic um to be honest i haven't really done anything in particular um is there something else i should be doing i'm worried no, now. No, no, we were just talking about like like you know you said that you've got um you've got a night uh, what's it called a maternity oh yeah we've done some planning for what we, what's going to happen after the birth um so we in the netherlands um they have a system called the kramzorg which is a, a maternity nurse that is heavily subsidized by the state um and the kramzorg comes for between four and six hours a day to your home every day for five to eight days after the baby is born. And that is something that is offered universally to all women. Um, and it's, it's really, really good. It's, um, it, it, I mean, I've talked to sort of midwives and doulas from around the world who say that they're just like in awe of the Dutch system because it's just, it's fantastic. And they, and they come and the, and the midwife will come as well to do the standard midwife checks. The Kramzorg or maternity nurse is basically there to help um, teach you how to look after a baby so teach you how to wash the baby change the baby etc etc um, but we've taken on um, a private maternity nurse to come at night as well um, just because of the c-section you know I think it will mean that both Josh and I don't have to get up throughout the night for feeding um, yeah. because the night nanny will be able to bring the baby to me for feeding and we'll be able to then get the baby back to sleep again afterwards and I think it makes sense that you know Josh isn't knackered from having not slept as well um, because he's going to have to step up and do a lot more during the day just generally because um, because I won't be able to. Yeah and I think like you know it, it, is, it is difficult the first week or two you know in terms of moving around and I think you know it's it's hard enough having a newborn baby when it's your first one because it is quite a life-changing experience and you spend a lot of time worrying whether you're doing the right thing so I think to have all of that support is just incredible um 
yeah I think that's you know that's a really great and I guess just making sure the bedroom's all set up properly so having everything that you need nearby we talked about yeah. that, a water bottle with like a long tube so that you don't have to like bend and twist yeah and even little things like I've realized we've moved our bedroom um to uh, the first floor of the house because it was on the second floor of the house and yeah. I just don't want to do two flights of, of stairs after the operation yeah. um and I also want to be in the room next door to the baby and um, but I've realized that that bedroom doesn't have a bedside table in it so even something like leaning over the side of the bed to pick something up off the floor I'm probably not going to be able to do that so um, we've just had to rejig a few things um, and just you know try and think about how restricted I'm going to be in terms of movement um, I mean you said that you were basically just out of bed and onto the sofa really the first few days I think yeah yeah it was it's tough like I think I remember I spent two days in hospital and then I came home and I think on the third day I had a shower and even just after a shower I kind of came out in a cold sweat because you know you d you have just had major abdominal surgery and it is you know yeah. it's, it's huge like and you've got a newborn and you've just given birth so you know you've got a, it's it's not just surgery you've actually ha had a baby you know? <laughs> so yeah yeah massive um, yeah so don't underestimate it but it's good you know I think like you've had plenty of time to prepare for it all now and you know, I know that you've um, also done lots of the food prep and got freezer. Yeah, I just want to make sure I've got lots of does, yeah. lots of nourishing foods for afterwards. So I've been making bone broth and um, buying lots of sort of like grains and things so that I'll make, you know, like um, porridge and, you know, couscous and things like that. And inflammatory food and stuff like that. Yeah, exactly. And just think also things that are like warming and kind of, sort of <laughs> easy to eat basically things that are mush <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> soups and mushy things <laughs> and then just the last question I was going to ask was that has anybody spoken to you about colostrum collection so I did chat a little bit um to to my doula about this and I know that you mentioned it as well and mm -hmm. sort of whether or not it was a good idea and um I know sort of some people worry that actually trying to express some colostrum could maybe even trigger labor which obviously i don't want to do um but you know it's something that i uh, i am going to try because uh, i am a bit nervous about whether or not i'll be able to breastfeed after after the c-section yeah i mean i i know many many women who have had absolutely no problem at all breastfeeding after a c-section so i don't think that's the concern i think breastfeeding can be a challenge in itself and i don't think a c-section is something that I'm no expert, but, you know, I just from anecdotal, you know, talking to friends and personal experience myself, um, I, I really don't think that um, it should have an impact at all because the baby's skin to skin. Obviously, the hormones are slightly different because you haven't gone through that process of birth, but you are, it, you know, the, it, things change instantly. So uh, the hormones will kick in and the milk doesn't take, you know, it takes three days to come in anyway. So providing you get that skin to skin contact and you keep trying and keep you know putting the, the babe to the breast then it should be should be absolutely fine mm. you've got all the support there you've got your night nurse you've got your doula you've yeah got, um <laughs> i mean if, you know like they're they really should you should be in a very good situation to to support that um but then i think from yeah from a colossal point of view so they say you can start kind of collecting from about 36 weeks so you're definitely within the right amount of time to do it um, and just to expect that you will literally get a drop initially. Um, yeah. got, um, in the show notes, I'm going to put a link to all of this, but there's, um, I'll send it to you now, but there's, um, there's a link to like how to do it 
when to do it, what to expect. Um, because, you know, I think some people think they're going to be collecting pints of the stuff and it is literally <laughs> if only <laughs> like one milliliter syringe. And if you get like anything in that, that's a really good start. <laughs> and then, um, and it should build up, but even, so they say, if you, you know, the reasons why you should do it, there's many different reasons, but you know, if you are having a planned section, it is worth doing because if there are any complications, um, you know, if the baby needs any kind of intervention or if you have any problems or anything then you know it's good for the baby to have that because then they've they've got it whereas if you know for some reason you guys are separated for a short period of time then you know it would be more difficult to get it to them so yeah i think it's it's definitely worth doing and just making sure you store it properly you know in the freezer or in the fridge depending on how long how many days you've got until your section so but i'll send you all that information and it will all be great in the link below but um brill oh, emma thank you so much for sharing your story it's um it's quite a journey that you've been on already so um i really look forward to talking to you after you've had the little baby the little girl and um and just hearing how it all went and how, what your experience was and i hope it's a really positive experience even though it's not exactly how you planned it um yeah, thank you. It's, it's, it's odd sort of going into this, uh, you know, into this situation, but I am feeling a lot more positive about it than I was a couple of weeks ago when we found out. Um, so yeah, talk to you again once I'm through the other side and I've got a little baby girl in my arms. Exactly. Amazing, amazing, amazing. All right. Thank you so much, babe. Thanks. All right. Take care.